cloudy and rainy and a little cool here in Birmingham. So I'm back in my library this morning. Hope you've got a copy of God's Word. Let me, uh, let me give you a, a little background story here. If you've got your Bible, look at Psalm 130. Uh, we're in uh, the Psalms of Ascent. And the psalmist is going to start out talking about being in the depths. On uh, August the 5th, 2010, there was a mine collapse at the San Jose Gold and Copper Mine, about 500 miles north of Santiago, Chile. Uh, there were 33 men that were trapped that day. You may remember this. The whole world waited and watched to see if those men would ever be delivered out from that, uh, uh, that cave-in. They were half a mile down in the ground, if you can imagine such a thing. Um, the cave, uh, the mine just caved in. They were cut off. They had no idea that anybody even knew they were alive, uh, that they had survived. They were off in a back tunnel of that uh, mine shaft. And uh, they were there for 69 days. In the dark, very little food, very little water. And there in the darkness, not knowing uh, that anybody even would try to rescue them because uh, they would just guess that everybody thought that they had been killed in the, in the cave-in. They went to one man whose name was Jose, and they said, Jose, we know you're a Christian. Will you pray? Will you lead us in prayer? And Jose said, yes, I will. And so they all gathered around. Many of them got on their knees, and Jose began to pray. And Jose prayed, and he said this, Lord, we are not the best of men. Please have pity on us. And then he did something interesting in his prayer. He got very specific. He began to pray for each one of these men. And this is what he prayed. Lord, you know Victor. And Victor here has a problem with alcohol. And he would pray for Victor. And then he came to the next guy, Flores. Lord, you know Flores. And Flores has a problem with his anger. And then he got over here to Carlos. And he began to pray for Carlos. Carlos, Lord, you know, feels bad that he has not been a better daddy to his young daughter. Those men tried to keep a schedule. They would try to sleep, get up at the right time. They had just a meager little bit of something to eat. They would listen to Jose as he would preach a short sermon to them. And then they would go to pray. And their prayers were prayers of confession. Now with that in mind, Psalm 130 is a psalm that was written as they would go up to the temple, probably on Yom Kippur, the, the high holy day, the day of atonement. And I want you to listen to what the psalmist writes. He begins to cry out his desperation in verse 1 and verse 2. Here's the desperation of his condition. Out of the depths, out of this pit, out of this caved-in mine, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Now, some of you may feel like you're right there. You may feel like, Lord, we're trapped in a pit. We're trapped in a, in a cave that has, uh, that has collapsed on us. We're shut off. 
I'm crying to you out of the depths. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. Now listen to the desperate cry. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. I imagine that in these days where people's lives have been completely interrupted and we are totally helpless, we can't control anything that's going on around us now. In fact, most of us can't believe some of the things that are happening, that we're crying out to God, we're praying probably more in the last two weeks than we have in the last two years. So here's the desperation of the psalmist. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Now, here comes the second part of this psalm, verse 3 and verse 4. It's his confession. It was his desperation. This is where I am. Here's his confession. He's going to confess. And let me just tell you this. Worship really begins with confession. Uh, you really don't have worship until you begin to confess before God your sin. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? He says, Lord, if you would, you would write down, keep, uh, you would save, you would list out all of my iniquities, Iniquity is, a, is an interesting word. It means that inner twistedness. It describes the twistedness of my fallen nature. Uh, David uh, asked the Lord to forgive him in Psalm 51, not just of his transgression and not just of his sin, but uh, his iniquity, that inner twistedness. That's what this psalmist is praying right here. If you, O Lord, should keep an account of all my iniquities... Oh, Lord, who could stand? Who would ever be able to stand before you? Uh, who would ever be able to, uh, to withstand the, the judgment of God if God remembered all of our sin? Well, listen to what the psalmist says. David in Psalm 25, verse 7 says this, Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions, According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Listen to David in Psalm 51, that great uh, uh, prayer for uh, pardon. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is exactly what the psalmist is praying here. He's saying, God, please, I'm confessing to you my sin. But now watch it, the confidence of verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Now, I want you to note something here. Note what he says, but with you there is forgiveness. What he's simply saying is this. Forgiveness is not what God does. Forgiveness is who God is. Forgiveness is with you. Now, there's some of you that feel like God can't forgive me. God's not going to forgive me. I've been through these days reading a lot of various things in Scripture, and I was reading early this morning about Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great king of Judah, uh, went through so much, 
uh, prayed, you remember, became sick and prayed, and God gave him 15 additional years. One of the things that he was concerned about was the fact that he did not have an heir. And that God did not give him an heir until he was three years into those last 15 years of his life. And so just 15 years or less than that, 12 years from, uh, from dying, God gives him a son. And the son was Manasseh. And Manasseh probably was the wickedest king of Judah, the southern kingdom uh, that they had. Well, probably, no doubt, he was the wickedest king. It said that he shed innocent blood. What Manasseh did was this. He turned the nation to worshiping a, a god called Moloch. Moloch was this big brass god that they built with this huge round belly that had a hole in his belly. And he had arms that were outstretched and they would build a fire down in the bottom of that big brass pot that was a belly on this god. And they would take their infant children and put it in the arms of Moloch and they had a way of rocking that thing back so that the baby would roll down into the belly and into that fire. And they would be given up as a living sacrifice. Manasseh did that. With his own children, he sacrificed them to the god Moloch. He caused Israel to sin grossly before God. And do you know what God did? God had him taken away into captivity, into Babylonian captivity. It says they came and they put a hook in his nose and they, and they dragged, they drug him out. They dragged him out uh, and into captivity. But it was in captivity that, that Manasseh prayed and asked God's forgiveness. And you know what the Bible says? God forgave him and brought him back to the land, brought him back to Jerusalem. Now, I doubt that you have sacrificed your children in the fires of Moloch. And you struggle, will God forgive me? Well, listen to what he says right here. He says, with you, there is forgiveness. Let me read you another passage of scripture. Let me take you back to Exodus chapter 34. Moses wanted to see God. And God said, you can't see me, Moses. But he says, this is what I'll do. I'll put you in a rock right here and I'll cause my presence to pass by. And as God passed by, God spoke and he said to Moses, he said, as the Lord passed by in front of him, he proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Our God is a forgiving God. Now, watch it what he does. He comes now to this determination in his life. And there are two things here I want you to see. One is his spiritual exercise. What's a spiritual exercise? I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. He's going to mention this three times. And in his word, I hope. By the way, here's a good way to think of hope. Because we have such a difficult time explaining what hope is. What, what does hope, hope expresses itself in waiting. You see, I hope in God because I wait on God. Hope expresses itself by waiting. 
And so the psalmist says, I'm hoping in his word, I hope, I have confidence in his word, but I express that by waiting for God. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I have hope. Now, he's not waiting for God to forgive him. God's already forgiven him. Now, this is what he's waiting for. I'm waiting for God to move in my life and to clean up the mess that my sin has left. I've made a mess of my life. I want to know, will God forgive me? And most of us understand, yes, God will forgive us. But what I want to know is, will, will God put my life back together? We're kind of like Humpty Dumpty. We want to know, can, can, can God put my life back together again? Now watch at this, because here comes the hope. This is his spiritual expectation. Waiting on God to do what God and only God can do is his spiritual exercise. Here's his spiritual expectation. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. You have hope in God. And he's going to say three things about God. For with the Lord, there is loving kindness. Now that's the first point. That the same three things about God is what he's saying. Number one is uh, that the Lord uh, is full of loving kindness. Now the word there, uh, loving kindness, is the word hesed in the Hebrew. Uh, you've heard of Hasidic Jews. It means uh, those that are faithful to the law, those that are loyal to the law. Uh, the word here is that he has this loving kindness, this kind love, this, this hesed. Uh, he loves us with a great love, a loyal love. Listen, God doesn't love us based on feelings. Uh, there are things that, you know, so much in society today that we love based on our feelings. People get married based on, on just their emotions, just their feelings. God loves us based on who he is, and he has made a covenant with us, and he will not break his covenant with us, just like he will not break his covenant with Israel. The second thing is that, and with him is abundant redemption. You know, when Jesus told the disciples, you know, I'll be with you to the end of the age, he doesn't say I'll be with you until the end of the decade, or I'll be with you until the things get rough, or I'll be with you, you know, almost to the end of life. No, he says to the end of the age, which means he's going to be with us just on and on and on. So he has abundant redemption. And the third thing, and notice this in verse 8, it, the tense changes. This is the future tense. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Now let me give you 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And listen, listen to what uh, listen to what John says about that. First John, chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's exactly what he's saying right there. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquity. Not some, not most, uh, not uh, in categories but from all his iniquities. There you go. That's another step up in the Psalms of Ascent. I'll see you tomorrow morning.
For with the Lord there is steadfast love. Now that word steadfast right there in the Hebrew is hesed. You've heard of Hasidic Jews? What it means, it means, uh, the word means literally a, a, a loyalty. They translate it steadfast. They're steadfast. That is a righteous God who loves us, forgives us, and will move in our lives to help us clean up the mess that sin has left. That's the next step up. You trust in the Lord.